0: This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Fly casual. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast, the Andor discussion editions. Oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about in this one. This was the longest episode so far, I believe. If not, maybe the pilot was, but definitely of this arc. This is the end of this second arc, the Aldani arc. I feel like we'll sort of talk about it in a Clone Wars type way as the years go by. It'll be the Ferrix arc, the Aldani (laughs) arc. And I very much look forward to seeing where the show goes but right now we have to talk about a heist we have to talk about the eye the episode is called the eye directed by Susanna White written by Dan Gilroy brother and collaborator of the showrunner creator Tony Gilroy and I cannot do it alone I am here with a new friend somebody that I knew online met in person immediately worked together and now we're immediately working together again you know him you love him from TikTok dyad in the forest and the high ground podcast and just being generally beloved it's darth Chaka, everyone
1: hello yeah thank you? you so much for uh for for bringing me on i'm excited to talk about this because uh yeah the uh, director Susanna like she put her ankle in this one like mm-hmm. this is this is some some peak star wars stuff and one of the most beautifully shot things i may have ever seen
0: it is gorgeous i mean it it feels i mean much has been made about this is the one that's making the move sort of back. Like we have this oscillating now that Star Wars, since the prequels, it's been, let's do a digital revolution. And then Star Wars comes back and it's, oh, let's do the practical again. And both of those are kind of inaccurate. You know, we know now how much of Phantom Menace is practical. We know now how much of Force Awakens was digital. And that's a much bigger conversation. But the way that this has utilized the blend and the way that this has utilized Scotland and the way that they designed this Imperial base, this garrison All of that. It's epic. It's intimate. It somehow is huge, but also very claustrophobic. So, Chaco, right off the top, tell me how you're feeling about not just this show, but about structurally. We talked about it a little bit with Mark Perez last week in regards to episodes four and five, but this idea of the two downbeats and then a banger as sort of our arc structure that seems to be the way that it's going. That could all get flipped. Maybe the next episode's a banger too, and there's a huge action scene, and then I'm wrong. But as of right now, how are you feeling about the way that they're approaching this?
1: So far, I'm actually loving it, and I know having this type of pace is not for everyone, and that's perfectly okay. But like for me, right now, the way this this feels like uh, when when I was younger and I first got into anime right and this is like anime in the early 2000s where they do a lot of slower episodes you you may get a full episode of of Goku powering up but like (laughs) when when it hits it hits hard and that's that's what this is feeling like not only that but they are taking time and making each person in the crew a fully fleshed out individual and they're introducing all the story beats Um, alongside each other i think the the biggest contrast to this would probably be the movie solo which by the way i love solo Mm
0: -hmm.
1: very very different when it comes to to terms of of pace we get a heist here solo we get the train heist we didn't get to spend time with that team we don't know what what their their true dynamics was when when Val died it was sad but you didn't you didn't care that much for her um, and then it was on to the next thing, yeah. you know, and that swashbuckling speed is entertaining for quick hits. But this show is letting us marinate in these deeper themes, these deeper, more serious themes that have big ramifications to the world that we currently live in right now. And the slower pace lets us, lets us absorb all of that. And I think is important.
0: It's absolutely important. I completely agree. And I like that we're in a time and this, you know, this could breach the 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 gates of the larger conversation, which I'm fine with. I don't mind talking about it. It's the idea of what is Star Wars? Where does it stop being Star Wars? Where is it still Star Wars? And I, I love how this has been so firmly Star Wars. I mean, we'll talk about them, but like someone like Dr. Quadpa, like... Come on. Like that is so purely <laughs> like one of the gluppiest shadows I've seen in quite a while. Um, but it, at the same time, like you said, it's taking the time to unpack something like solo is made in the traditions of Indiana Jones and American graffiti and all that stuff. Whereas this is somebody saying, okay, how about that? But we see every step of it as it pertains to Cassian. We know even then that these characters have been planning this for months Months for what is, I believe, a nine minute mission in story. They say we have nine minutes as the eye is happening. So it is incredible the way that they are funneling all of this thematic energy into the events here, how every choice matters, how everything is slow. And it's sort of like, you know, I tweeted about this recently. I love when Star Wars skews young, like with resistance. This is sort of the other side of the coin. People have said, oh, the opposite of Andor is Mando. The opposite of Andor is resistance. This skews up, this skews older. Um, and they but yet they are both Star Wars. Like you have this cell-shaded, wacky cast tripping and falling and
1: having these (laughs) little
0: adventures around there, like, and that's still Star Wars. And then over here, it's hey, what if we took half the money and then bam, someone's dead? And and that's still Star Wars too. So before we get further into it. And, you know, I told you off air, we're going to talk a little bit about you up top because I do think it is very relevant. So you have these two podcasts and you have a great TikTok presence and a TikTok following that really appreciates your commentary. And when I first met you, it was at the Andor premiere. And we knew of each other, but we didn't know each other. And I remember friends telling me like, oh, my God, his TikToks are great. And I had literally just got on TikTok like a couple days ago. I had never <laughs> even used the app before. And it was people like you that made me say, oh, so there's stuff happening on there. There's you know. There's the other community. There's like our sister community, like the Twitter podcast realm has it's like gondor and rohan like there's another <laughs> kingdom out there and i was like i want to i want to kind of know those people and so with a show like this i almost feel and i'm I'm curious if you agree as a, as a content creator as a broadcaster is this the most challenging one to talk about on a week-to-week basis because it almost feels to me like you would never grab a novel and say here's my podcast on chapters one and two that's not how that works and this feels the most novel esque of everything that we've had.
1: You know what? I'm actually going to say no. Um, mm-hmm. but but that's uh that's because I've largely, at least with with my content, and, and I know it sounds weird because I actually haven't been making a ton of Andor content yeah. uh recently, but um, you know, I, I have the high ground podcast, and before we would have very specific topics, and I would get people that, you know often talk about those things to dive deeper into them. And so, Andor is the first one that I'm actually doing this, where I'm following the show week to week for mm. for these releases. Um, and that's been that's been a lot of fun because now I'm not finding specific people who I know are knowledgeable about a certain subject. Um, now I can because uh, my my whole big thing was was community you know and I, I wanted to get everyone right that people on Star Wars TikTok on Star Wars YouTube on Star Wars Twitter and we're all Star Wars fans we all love the same stuff and I just want to have everyone mingle mix together get interesting perspectives and I think the show has been a great place to do it now if you are someone that has a channel that's you know, based on glove shadows is based off of cameos and flashbacks. Like, I think that fandom, uh, fandom content has uh, taken a, a turn for the, for the worse. um <laughs> in terms oh, yeah. of, um, uh, I, I don't even know how, how exactly to say, it, but uh, now I see people so obsessed with a quick dopamine hit um, in whatever show that they're watching, that they are unable to, process shows that are just this is this is the material the show is the show mm-hmm. you know I, I loved mando season two but part of it just felt like it was backdoor pilots for several different other shows mm-hmm. and my favorite episode of that season was the second to last one when we got uh to spend time with um you yeah, know yeah, uh miggs mayfeld
0: and the believer yeah, yeah the famuyua one brilliant
1: and when we got to go into Mix Mayfield's background and we got like, that's the character development. Those are the moments, the the connections between him taking his, his helmet off, you know, to, to be seen and not knowing where exactly that leaves him with his faith. That's that Star Wars for me, Mm -hmm. you know, I lightsaber go Burr is awesome as well. I'm, I'm a huge, you know, Jedi fan and I'm deep into all that lore, but it's it's the slow moments it's the quiet moments um
0: yeah you know that, i mean that you're I like love. me in that regard like it, it's a you know i i always give credit to my friends ken and joseph and jennifer I'm force center star wars is not asking you to ask how it's asking you to ask why you mm-hmm. can find out how there's reference guides there's and we love them i grew up as i'm sure you did picking up those dk guides and like Oh, what, what material is the lightsaber held made of? And like things like that. And I love of course we love facts. Um and we love trivia. But it's it's not, you know, the question is not, well, how does that Mandalorian group work with this one and, and the histories and the Wikipedias and the and like that's all fun? But why? Why how does a man change doing that? What is going on inside? And I think that andor is a lot of that. And I think you could find it in all of Star Wars if you ask and you look, but mm-hmm. you're right that we Absolutely. Are, we're in that culture. You're a hundred percent right. The dopamine hits and of the, if there, if the episode doesn't leave you with something that can be a reaction video thumbnail, then it's not valid. Um, you know, it has to be like, Whoa, Oh my God. <laughs> that is the wrong way to approach this. Um, which, you know, in and of itself becomes a conversation because who are we to say what the right and wrong way is, but it, be, it there's a thing happening. I think that we're all witnessing of like, what is fair to the story? It did yeah. you know, what is if Andor has established right off the bat, that it's going to end on these very quiet notes as they all have, even this one for as explosive as it is ends on an exhale. Um, mm-hmm. There are that those are the terms that it's set in the same way that Mandalorian has set the terms of this is pulpy. This is we're framing it like installments with our chapter titles. We're doing this kind of thing. These are environments that are meant to feel otherworldly. There is no Corvus. You can't shoot that in Scotland. There is no Muldo Crace. <laughs> you can't shoot yeah. that anywhere. This is the Star Wars of now. And I feel like if, if people are down with it, great. If you're not, I understand that it is probably the most quote unquote different that we've had. Um, but I think it's an interesting thing to sort of talk about. And I, I love that you said no, because it, in terms of what you do is, you know, you're unpacking things, especially on high ground in that that roundtable format, where everybody sort of has a different perspective. When I was on there with our, our friends, Carly and Neve, I had didn't know anyone on that show none of us had ever spoken, at least to each other as a, as a, mm-hmm. a four way group. Um, and it was just sort of that experience of Coming to the table and, and finding something in it, which I think is very Star Wars fandom, but also Star Wars, like in the meta text, like that's sort of what the characters are doing, too, um, which is why these characters sort of sing. And it's why it hurts when something goes down the way that it does with Nemic or with Skeen, different kinds. Of
1: yeah, hurt. much like uh, much like Nemic when that happened, I was crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oof. Pun, pun, very much intended.
0: Oh, pun, uh, pun brutally <laughs> delivered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, we'll talk about that too. Um, the, the, uh, uh, just, that
1: we... so, quick, quick side note: my Please. my head or I guess this is what I want to happen. I yeah. I'm probably jumping the gun here, but with the the manifesto that he leaves behind, mm-hmm. um, I want to give that to, to to Cassian. You know. Uh, I went on a future mission where Cassian has to sneak in somewhere. They need a distraction. He turns on like text to speech and just blares the manifesto inside of some type of Imperial base to to cover their tracks. And I want the manifesto to be what turns Bodhi Rook.
0: Oh, okay. We got to talk about that. Cause that's really good. I, I, you're giving me not just early star wars rebels you know Re- rebels a couple times actually has used broadcasting yeah. um also
1: the as, high republic too you know,
0: that's right uh... the high republic as well and i was also <laughs> going to go winter soldier when yep. steve steve over the the comms uh for shield shield hydra um those are those are moments of sometimes it just takes somebody verbalizing maybe the tension that you already feel to make that choice and that's what someone like Bodhi does is that it's just about waking up one day and saying, this is not right. I mm-hmm. can't anymore. And he wasn't, a, he wasn't oh. killing anyone. He was a driver, but that mm-hmm. still matters. And that's, and I love that.
1: I love how you, how you put that because that's what I felt through this arc a, a lot is mm-hmm. there's so much tension and especially in my case, it's, it's, it's tension waiting for someone to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's the, the release of, of attention. Uh, I I like how you said that.
0: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I, I think that this show has given not just in its writing, but in its discussions, some of the most like profound little nuggets of Star Wars wisdom. Everything Nemec says, obviously, a lot of the stuff that Luthan and Mothma have already said as these characters that are sort of on this sliding scale of rebellion, where you have Mothma over here, you have Luthan over here, then you have Saw over here. And mm-hmm. we know that Luthan and Saw are going to be in the same room. I, I am dying for the three of them to be in the same room at some point. And just do, it, do, yeah. do 50 minutes of dialogue. I don't need anything else outside of that. <laughs> um, but starting here, you know, really getting into the eye. And then, you know, of course, on this show, this show is mostly interviews. But, and we will have to get you on for one of those, of course, at some point. But while we're in the episode seasons, which are more and more frequent now. Uh, for better and for worse you know sometimes it's like well, slow down star wars i still i still need to catch my breath from this (laughs) you know we're we're about to have tales while this is happening and that's going to be a whole thing um but feel free to to take whatever angles you want on this you know personally and and ideologically politically whatever you want it's all on the table here this heist what it means how hard it gets how brutal it gets and how characters have to address that. No, 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 we are not the same. And you don't get to try to act like we are when that moment with Vel what, because that's what you would do in terms of, you know, killing hostages, Mm -hmm. which by the way, saying the phrase killing hostages question mark in regards to star Wars is something that I never thought that would come up. That sounds like something from a Nolan film, you know Uh, what sticks out to you about the heist in the eye. What sticks out to you about these character moments? Where do you want to start?
1: Like st- starting at, at at the beginning of, of the heist, uh, we have Val and she's just hesitating and thinking and, and breathing. She's about to cross, you know, the the point of no return. And this is what I feel like. This is what Luthen's waiting for. And I'm curious how many other missions he's had run because of his elation at the end of this. Make it feel like this is the first thing. This is what is making this whole rebellion is real. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and, you know, a you know, gives her that courage and they they pull the trigger and they're off to the races in that moment. It was just, it, it was small, it was quiet, but it was so human of, are we really doing this? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, once again, it's just one of those small moments that I, I really enjoy. But um, even uh, going more than that though, Throughout this heist, we see these these people that are coming for their, you know, ceremony um, to, to see the eye. It's part of their worship. And we see how the Empire looks at them. and We see how the Empire looks down on them. Uh, the Empire hates them. Uh, it says that they, they smell, says that they're, calls them stupid. Um, yet they are taking over this these people's land. You're taking over this these people's ritual uh and then we have a great shot where all of them together Imperials and these people are standing up at the eye and like in awe of its beauty and I know it's it's kind of a surreal moment because uh the Empire doesn't view these people as, as human and'm and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're gonna you know, slaughter them after after all this this goes down. After
0: they built what they need to build, it sounds like they're going to use them for a bit. And yeah,
1: yeah, they're going to build an airbase here. You know, on on their their they don't they don't care, but they recognize the beauty that they are about to destroy. Uh, and I think that's that's also really interesting. Um, but again, that's the start of these rebellions. The you know the the axe forgets, but the tree remembers
0: that is the yeah i mean that and that that being now in the star wars lexicon a, as a as an ideological phrase as a thematic statement is so powerful and i love that you brought up the dehumanization of the aldani people along with the fact that the empire can still recognize you have all these low level grunts that are still like but i i do want to still see it like they it's almost like there's this th- trend throughout star wars that fascinates me that goes from these guys on this one base all the way up to Chief Palpatine which is that It is something that real life fascists Do as well um, or, or just like bigots in general Of they want to Talk down and they want to trash the People but they love what the People provide they mm-hmm. love The entertainment they love The music they love the food They love all this stuff And they and, and then with that there's The deeper level of and we've seen this a lot In our world lately a great example is like, you know, conservatives trying to ban drag, drag shows and stuff. And it's like you act like that side is this they are the weak snowflakes. They're sissies. They're this and that. But they're also super dangerous and they must be like, you cannot have both. <laughs> you cannot have both. And it's the it's the logical the logically fallacious nature of the way that those people act. Palpatine is the perfect example of this. I just tell him,
1: Jesus wore a dress.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, (gasps) brown Jesus did wear a dress. (laughs) Uh, And and it's like, Palpatine is a perfect example in terms of the way that he feels about the Jedi. Uh, Palpatine, and by extension, his apprentices, including Snoke. And you get this idea of, he is so confident that the Jedi are weak, foolish, they're nothing, they're pretenders, they don't know what they have, They can be destroyed so easily. Look at them. I'm playing them. But at the same time, why are you so afraid of them if they are all those things? And that is the great thing about these villains as pieces that reflect our world. You get all the way down to the sequels. Snoke is terrified that Luke Skywalker's Mm -hmm. continued existence could mean (laughs) more Jedi. But at the same time, Jedi are weak and stupid and you can crush them so easy. So what's the problem? And there's a lot of that going on with these Aldani Imperials of they don't see them as anything more than these annoying natives that they have to trade furs with and deal with them. And they're gross and X, Y, and Z, but they're fascinated by not only the phenomenon and by their worship and they will partake in it. But they are constantly tracking the numbers and they're constantly concerned about what they're doing and how they're feeling and all this stuff. And so, so you're clearly afraid and you should be because Star Wars has always positioned, you know, from the Ewoks on up mm-hmm. through our, our history. Never underestimate a droid. Never underestimate a droid. It, the small folk. I mean, that's that's George Lucas pulling from classic myth. That's very Tolkien. Like, it's there's a reason why it's a hobbit. There's a, it's a reason why it was an Ewok. Like it is the small folks sometimes literally and the Aldani people, even though they don't fight and have this revolution here, it's very clear that no matter what you do, you are still the outsider. And this is still our home. They walk with so much pride and they walk with such a stalwart focus mm-hmm. throughout this entire thing. It's almost chilling when they're speaking in their native language and, you know, Gorn is giving the false translations and there's things going yeah. on uh, that, to really put them into focus and it's it's this idea that you know they they will still enjoy the phenomenon but it's and i love that you pointed that out that they are also watching and it's 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 like they're denying their own humanity like mm-hmm. at any point they could see that and realize we have a lot more in common than we do you know than th- 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 we do differences yeah, i mean it's and it's they God. won't choose that. <sighs>
1: It's it's got Stanford prison experiment vibes, you know. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. I mean Well said. I, I remember reading a book. I wish I could remember who wrote, who wrote it. This was years ago. I was like a freshman in high school reading a book called The Lucifer Effect uh, that used the Stanford experiment as one of its chapters. All of, it's all about the nature of evil. The whole book is just about what is evil, why is evil, and reading about that and reading about the human instinct to get an inch and want to take a mile and it happens so consistently and at any point any of those grunts any of those low level guys could have you know pulled a Bodhi and turned they could have been more like Gorn and tried to actually see the humanity going in there Gorn going so far as to have had a romance Um, but they don't choose to and Star Wars still even when it's as hard edged as Gilroy is crafting it to be here it's still about choices mm-hmm. every something like ray choosing not to sell bb8 as lighthearted and adorable as bb8 is is in the same mythic tradition as cassian gunning down scheme
1: uh, and, and it comes back to the selfish versus the selfless which is at the very core of of the force and what what star wars is and that's why a casting is such an interesting character because at this point in time he is neither mm-hmm. right he's not selfish but he does take what he needs um but there's there's no there's no greed uh he'll he'll kill but there's no hate in it uh and it's it's interesting because he's this person that's on this you know precipice where he could potentially rock either way but he keeps making the the choice for it's self-preservation but not self-gain and i think that's what luthan sees in him, and we see that you know a lot throughout this this episode but then you can contrast you know him with uh with our main you know lieutenant who can't even put on his belt anymore he's like Mm -hmm. oh this 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 shrunk uh (laughs) and you're like god did did it um now full disclosure you know uh covid and uh being locked up didn't do any favors to my midsection so i I, kind of felt him there but
0: uh (laughs) we've all had to stick around on an imperial (laughs) base and get a little get a little extra yeah we've all been there but thematically, I mean, to show that scene after what Cassian said, it was in all the trailers. The so mm-hmm. fat and satisfied and how that played in and, and the way that what that character represents and how he plays into things that are even make are supposed to make you uncomfortable. The fact that his child is at gunpoint, blaster point, gunpoint in the in the course of the events, and that becomes this whole like are they actually going this far would they do it and vel points out that they wouldn't but the important thing about the family being caught in the crossfire there is that i believe it's an indictment of him it's an indictment Mm -hmm. of the imperials they show they tell you in dialogue and they show you in the performances the fear it's blatantly implied that he hits his child uh in in terms of him saying that he'll he'll or backhand he's him or weak whatever and nuts, yeah. yeah whatever he'll say and he's making fun of his child for being sickly and for having a fever and all this stuff and then he goes out because of a heart attack it appears so it's like the irony there of like you know calling the next generation a week and then you yourself didn't have the fortitude in that moment but it's like his family doesn't want to be there they are trapped his wife wants to leave and It's the rebels are our heroes, but they happen to be the calamity that befalls the wife and child because of his hubris, because of his addiction to appearances. We need Mm -hmm. to look good. We need to look good for the colonel. We need to look good for this. We need to perform. We need to X, Y, and Z, be on our best behavior. And that is all surface and fake and there's nothing real. And look at how you pay. And Star Wars has always said that too about these appearances. Look at any time that they ever showed including this episode, every time that they ever show the Senate Chambers. Look at any Padme-focused Clone Wars episode and how often the themes of appearances and diplomacy and a lack of integrity slowly creeping into everything that they do and how the people that do have integrity, all three or four of them. (laughs) And it's heavy. It's very, very heavy.
1: Yeah. uh, In in this, we, we see that big difference like when she says when they when they take the family gunpoint and you know she's says you know are are you gonna gonna kill us you know that's what you guys would do um i'm anxious to see exactly how that pays off because you know at the end of the episode the isb is like okay what is going to be our retaliation and then the question for me becomes retaliate against who (laughs) <laughs> you don't know who did this who yeah. are you retaliating that, that doesn't even make any sense I, I think the Aldani people are going to you know be at the a negative end of this maybe in their search for Vicenta, um, that she oh, kind of yeah. slipped back into that crowd but uh, again that is that's going to be akin to what she said I I feel confident that she left the family alive. Um, and the Empire doesn't think that way, you know. And so we're seeing this, and I saw saw people on on Twitter talking about how now the rebels are like really evil because they took this family hostage, and we've never seen the Empire do anything that bad. And you're like, didn't?
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. The the genocide of planets. Uh, and <laughs> the Genosian people
1: enslaving all the wookies and stuff like that.
0: The wookies genociding but, the genosians, the alderanians, the jedi, <laughs> like,
1: and then it rings, I, it rings back in your head. It's easier to hide behind 40 atrocities than just one. Yep, you know, you're like, why does this have to be a so on point all, all, all the time?
0: It is, it is. If you are existing in America in 2022, it is about. Us. Uh it, it's very, very pointed. This is I said this coming right out of the premiere. Star Wars has often been about the relationship between tragedy and hope, between dark and light, between bad times and good times, and how you have to go through the, the former to get to the latter. This adds in the element of the wrath that exists mm-hmm. in that transition. This this unpacks a lot of moments. You started this by talking about Vell's hesitation. And which we had also seen a little bit of in the previous episode in the Axe Forgets of Cassian saying, if you're scared and you want to back down, now is the time because that is part of what we are doing. What we are embarking on is dangerous and scary. And that sort of comes here, uh, comes to the forefront here with Vel, who was the most sort of hardened and, and forthright of the group. That's why she's in that leadership role, you would assume. Maybe we'll get some more Vel backstory at some point in the trailers. You can glimpse Vel talking to Mathma. Curious mm-hmm. to see what that relationship is like because Mathma is so much not lighter, but she has a softer hand in the way that she's handling things right now. But to see Vel have that moment, it it is that further unpacking of like a lot of Star Wars will say Star Wars is this, and it will explore those things in the way that it wants. We talked about Solo, we talked about Resistance. You could pick any of them. The Higher Public does the same thing. But there are certain Star Wars things, and this does not make them better, but it just makes them different, which like The Last Jedi, like Andor, the first issue of uh, Kevin Scott and uh, Ario Anandito's High Republic, Phase 2, does this, where they're like, here's a Star Wars idea. What about that? Or here's a Star Wars trope. What about that? And we've seen since the beginning of Star Wars, 1977, Star Wars characters go on mission. They do mission fallout of mission move on and this is the first time we had a little bit of rebels and clone wars too i want to give them credit of course i think rebels is some of the greatest star wars ever made it's my favorite of the shows but same oh hell yeah okay mental <laughs> note for that mental note for rebels talk at some point uh but the this is this is saying okay missions but what about that we never got to see outside of some specific instances the preparation mentally to do these things. You see Obi Wan go after Grievous. I'm just picking the first mission off the top of my head in Revenge of the Sith. But there's no scene in Revenge of the Sith of him in his ship on the way there, wondering if he's gonna die.
1: Oh, we, we get him jumping in and yeah. and a hello there and a yep. smile and he's ready to go. Yep.
0: Yeah. And and yeah. this is this is the show that's like, oh, they'll do it. They will propel down the side and they will. Surprise you with a blaster shot and take this guy out and do this and fly this and it's all there. But also, how would that not in like a realistic way? It's not trying to you know, be the the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy of Star Wars. Although I fear that's how some people are taking it. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it, it
1: it really it really feels like um, what they're doing is you watch Rebels. And there's just this, this team and and Hera is, is experienced and obviously Kanan is experienced. So when they're running these missions, they're like, this is how we break into this thing. This is how we get past this type of security door. This is how we do what we have in, in Andor. This is the first run. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know uh this is this is the, the second mouse gets the cheese type of type of situation mm. they are running in here and they don't know this stuff yet because they are the bleeding edge of this revolution and it is a- exhilarating to watch them have to figure some of this stuff out you know I, I i love when they've already stolen a lot of the gold and and the guys come down to, to catch up um, and they're just, they're trying to BS the the guards up there and they're like, ah, uh, this is a, you know, routine training exercise. Classified. Uh, you can't be
0: here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's such a great point. Something as iconic as the star Wars disguise trope, which has been there since the beginning. You could probably make the argument. I mean, I know what happened in animation and Clone Wars and stuff, but in terms of the rebel Alliance that is coming, mm-hmm. Cassian who will do it with Jin and K2 that will be a thing that he does in his last hurrah they have to practice it whereas most Star Wars characters are like I got a costume I'm good this is the we need to know how to walk you better walk right we better switch sides we better do this this isn't this they don't know how to BS it they are having not and they not thought failing. they could
1: they, they thought, thought they, they could be yes they thought they could and, and he's
0: then, and like, like the communication stuff of not are not even yeah. not be, being afraid that they're not even on point and, and yeah. things like that no
1: but when 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 andrew is like no the the, the weight is, is you can see it here and it's above you know where it's where it's connected
0: mm.
1: It's like what were you going to do if I wasn't here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we were just going to like wing it or, or whatever. And you're like, that's what yeah. that's, that's not good. You would um, have
0: died. They all yeah. would have died. This episode makes a very strong argument for Cassian and Andor as an essential element of not just this team, but going forward, because like you said, what Luthen sees in him amongst many of those things is somebody that comes from the mud. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. if you count Mimban, but like the metaphorical <laughs> mud uh, from the dirt, from the streets, like somebody that has not the grit and like the like YouTube grifter way that people say grit, but like the actual sort of, it makes me think of in Rings of Power, the way that they describe it, uh, Duran. they say that you are stout of heart. Like, that's mm-hmm. really what it is, is somebody that has it. And Luthan is coming down from on high from the glitz and the luxury down into that dirt but he still has to have a foot in both he needs somebody that has both feet here that by the time we're five years later and he's captain casting an and rebel intelligence that is all built upon not maybe i can do this and maybe i can figure it out i'm coming from a different era someone like bale who as much as we love bale does come from the softer hand of Mothma. He does come from a different time. He comes from diplomacy. You need people that don't come from diplomacy. And that's your Cassian. Yeah. Andor, that's your Admiral Raddus. That's your Draven. Um, even someone like Poe Dameron, whose parents were boots on the ground. He came up post-war. And he therefore he has a little bit of that. I can he- I can be a hero. He has that complex. And Cassian does not have that. And you can have heroes, but like you said, it's the second mouse thing. You need the people that can open the door for the heroes, which is what Rogue One is. It, those no. are the people that like Luke Han and Leia, and et cetera, et cetera, Chewie, everyone. I always say Luke Han and Leia, and I'm always like waiting for the comment that's like, you forgot Chewbacca, you forgot. It's like, <laughs> when I say that, I mean the whole crew. Um, but, but this is the, the prequel to the prequel. How do you become the guy that can open doors? Literally sometimes.
1: Yeah, and, and and by the same token, like these people don't have these heroes to to look up to. Mm-hmm. This looks like an impossible task. Everything looks possible once someone has done it, but uh, it's I don't know. It's just fascinating. Yeah, and, and they're uh,
0: without without unity to even share stories of inspiration. You know that this this period of the Rebel Alliance is so interesting because it is not one. <laughs> it's the period yeah. Of, it's the Rebel Cells era. Where does Luthen even know about the Cloud Riders? I don't know. Maybe does do have they even heard about what bale has been doing with Ahsoka as a fulcrum, which we know has been going on? I think at the time of this show, for like thirteen years. She's, I'm assuming she's a part timer, uh, but still, <laughs> like they, who knows what they know about what's going on at this point? The earliest adventures of the Ghost are going down. Yeah, and it's like, did do they even know yet? Has there been a single inkling of this inner circle that mothma is speaking to that luthan is in uh reaching out does does mothma even know about the aldani job probably not based on the end of this episode it seems when news is breaking and she's which i love i love the way that scene plays because you can assume that they disrespect mothma pretty regularly Um, yeah
1: uh, especially considering how she ends up needing to be saved in Rebels exactly uh, yeah uh, you can stuff, assume yeah. she's
0: she even says they. these people hate me they undermine everything I do so when the scene is first playing out it works even on its own of like oh there, look at them being disrespectful talking while she's talking not listening but then it starts to like people start to leave and you're like Oh, oh! News. Something's breaking.
1: blowing up on Space Twitter right
0: yeah, now. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mother, you, you want to check your phone? Uh, your notifications are popping off. Like it really has become this galactic moment of oh my goodness, and then it sends into the Luthan scene. But what I love is Scarif holds the distinction of being the first unified public military operation. That is the mm-hmm. first battle one. Their, not their first battle, period. There's Adalon, but Adalon is more low-key, and that was more Thrawn laying siege to a location, and it's Thrawn. He's laid a lot of sieges to a lot of locations. Um, yeah,
1: but plus, you know, there was a, a magical giant space moose that was
0: hundred percent clouds and, i'm yeah. sure that that did not make it into the report <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I would love to read the in universe that's what they should do they should release a, a, a book of like they have to have like the jedi code the sith code all those oh. they need to release like the imperial like filings on stuff that went down uh, <laughs> as written by Thrawn, as written by Ular, and that stuff could be really fun but yeah it, so if that's the first unified front this is the first inkling of they robbed us like it's so much smaller, but it's the first insult. It's the yeah. first sort of ISB, you know, like you brought up that whole thing of where we have to retaliate. Nobody leaves. Tell your families you're not coming home. We're working round the clock and it is almost and she doesn't have a line, but she's in the scenes. It's almost vindication for Deidre, who, yes, is a villain, but is the protagonist of her arc. And that's, you know, that's very English mm-hmm. class. You know, I, I can hear teachers <laughs> I had when I was a kid saying, protagonist and hero are not the same thing. Stop mis- misusing them. Stop. They're not interchangeable. She is our in in that arc. And suddenly she's right. And so that gains a lot of momentum. These things were not isolated. Like her assistant said, too random to be random. And now here we are. And so it sort of has, I don't know about you, and you can speak to this, but it it has added to for me, a really key element of like the contextual history of that nineteen years between Sith and Hope, it's this idea now of oh, now we can see not just when the Rebels kicked it into high gear, but when the Empire did too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the Empire is still kind of it's still in the process of fully building out its infrastructure here. I mean, yeah, it, it took whatever. The, the Republic had set up and their forward bases and stuff and converted them. But this is where we see them truly getting into the mindset of the full militar- militarization of um, suppression of these people, of these, you know, rebel cells that there are going to see popping up. But the fact that they got away with, uh, you know, 80 million um, is a they're actually hitting them where it hurts them right Mm -hmm. which is which is their pocketbook this is not an ideological victory this is actually something that a lot of these people are are gonna feel you're gonna
0: feel it and it's gonna cause you can assume discord within because now people ain't getting paid and yeah that is the i mean imperial defectors are a classic thing in star wars at this point but who on Aldami is like I'm not doing that. I'm not getting paid. Like it, it's a ripple effect move. It's a very smart calculation. Lines our pockets, yeah. screws their team.
1: And not only that, but I also think that's this is part of the elation that we see um, at the end out of Luthen because mm-hmm. now he's got his funding for for what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. This is this is the start of something really big, and you know. Deidre knows that but uh, I, don't, I just there's just there's just so much uh this is just such a, a rich episode we haven't even got to how beautiful it is oh, yeah. um talk about it go for it i mean spe- specifically i had to choose the the thumbnail scene of when the eye is passing and we have um the tie fighters hanging there mm. um and just uh, the composition of that shot is just beautiful but we have some so many just small scenes of just a tie pilot climbing down into it. You know, it's not a rush to the action. Normally, it's just we just see them going, and, and there's no mm-hmm. care for the people behind it. And I think that's really what the show is is doing the most is it's it's giving us people. We're not seeing stormtroopers right now, and I think that's largely because stormtroopers are a bunch of faceless. Hordes for protagonists to to mow down in great number, yeah. And we don't care about it. Um, we're not we're not getting this, and we're only getting a few tie fighters, and they feel terrifying. You know, in this, it's giving us mm-hmm. stakes, and it's giving us individuals. And even within these groups, we're seeing the individuality of of each character and how all of their de- decisions affect them. Even though these people are a team, you know the um the the crew uh during the heist even though they're a team they're all very different they'll want different things they're all there for for different reasons uh they all believe to different extents and we see and, and skein don't think he believed in it truly with himself i just was sitting in awe of this of this episode i've watched it three times already
0: <laughs> already yeah. yeah same it's it's massive like i said up top it's massive but it also kind of chokes you it's really interesting how there's yeah. how it's able to do both. It's able to do things like the eye, which are like the show has done. You could, ar- you can make an argument that episodes one and two of this are like, this is kind of, is this really like as star Wars as maybe? And then three has your speeder chase, your explosions, your shootout, your, your parent child sort of ending that ending of three still just brings me to tears. Just oh to yeah. All of that, which was just a, a huge, hugely powerful moment. This one sort of does it as well. Luthen Shop felt very Star Wars, but Aldani up until this point was like, this is not an insult, but it was like this is very very understated. It's very low key. Yes, I'm, we're here in this greenery, but I don't even see. Normally there would be some sort of weird space bird fly by. Like th- that stuff doesn't even mm-hmm. happen. And then it was all. Do we get space
1: so sheep? We do get um... space sheep?
0: We do get space <laughs> sheep with their with their rank milk, which apparently yeah. is not good. Can't wait for the multi horn space sheep milk to make its way to Disney. Um, but the, but the, the way that it was building toward this unleashing of the fantasy aspect, like here's this thing, which from the ground looks like an explosion or a meteor a meteor shower from the ground. It looks like a meteor shower, but in the air, it's this explosion of crystals and this chemical phenomenon that's happening that is just creating all of this beauty. Mm -hmm. And it's that reminder as we are, and of course there's the great parallel to Rogue One with the climb, climb, like all of that, that's happening. Yeah. But the, and I love Gilroy for that stuff, but the way that it is symbolically, we are flying up into the phenomenon. We're flying up into the fantasy as Cassian Andor goes from the streets of Ferrix to, on his journey toward becoming Captain Cassian Andor of the Rebel Alliance, where he is fully in the fantasy, where he's in the adventure that is stitched to a new hope it has to get there slowly but surely and slowly but surely and slowly but surely and we finally are realizing like oh there is a greater not just a greater power in terms of the force but there is there is more than this boots on the ground and we Mm -hmm. can we can ascend to those heights only gorn had seen the eye at that point he was the only one and we'll talk about him. We're, we're, after this, yeah. we'll jump into characters because we have to address some deaths. We have to address some changes, some arcs. But the, the way that everybody is sort of having that moment and the way that Cassian, even if it was just for a minute, has to fly blind. And he has to believe. I don't know where I'm going. But somebody is in pain and you need to persevere. And you talked about it earlier. What did Luthen see in him? He sees a preservationist but he's not a selfish, uh, you know, insert swear word here, like Skeen is. He is mm-hmm. making choices for to get to the next day. And with that, those people can learn to carry other people to the next day, which is part of the point. I mean, that's the classic Han Solo choice. He needs to be Han Solo to be that guy. But it's the it's the heart that makes him turn back. And yeah. with Cassie in here, like yes, he did kill Skeen, but it was not in cold blood. It was in protection of himself, but also, and I guess we'll start there in terms of characters. We'll start with Skeen. It was in cold, it was in cold blood to a certain degree, but it was, and it was sudden. And it's brutal, and it's it's a lot to take in, especially because it comes really out of nowhere. There well, is no a, uh,
1: and and ander shoots first, you know. He does. Uh, and I was about
0: to say there's no, but there isn't even like a insert shot of the hand going down it's not even like hans Han yeah. gave you away Han killing beckett is very sudden but they had guns drawn like that was that was happening he is he guns him down almost in a it's not so far into the i'm committed now he doesn't run back into the to the doctor's hut there and say like we got to get out of here Val like i you know or or guess what Skeen just did no he's He's afraid because Cassie and Andor at the end of the day knew what went down. He saw Terramon die. He saw Gorn die. Nemec's about to die. So he thinks, you know, he, he says he's going to need luck to make it through. He is, I read that scene as disgust with how you would betray what we just did. And that shows the growth of Cassian. He's protecting the memory mm-hmm. of who went down. He's protecting the sanctity of what they just did and he's kind of in a certain way gunning down the dark Cassian Andor like (laughs) yeah he's gunning down what he could have been if he had made just a few different choices
1: which i also think makes it a very fascinating um, comparison to him and Cyril uh, Karn Mm. because both of these men have a profound sense of justice. Um, but the profound sense of justice is it following the rules or is it doing what's right? Yeah. Uh, and those are two very, very different things. Trying and, to be the
0: hero that distributes justice or trying to actually live according to a moral code. You yeah. Know, Cyril Karn wants to be a Captain America-esque figure for the galaxy. He thinks that well it's it's written that way, so clearly it must be right. Well the constitution says like he's that guy.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean he, he feels <laughs> he feels like I mean She-Hulk just ended. He feels like Emil what Emil Blonsky said, like I thought I was I thought I was going to be the next Captain America.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They had uh, they sold him a bill of goods and Karn is Karn is the the personification of the hero complex, the god complex. I mean, when we first meet him, we're like, Stick oh, Stick
1: in
0: the a, butt. A, 100%. <laughs> yeah, we're like, he's a, he's a Primor, a Primor bastard, as Marva would call him. But he's... Then we find out, oh my god, you're a city kid. So that means you left to go police other people somewhere else where you could feel big. Where you could feel a certain amount of prestige, a certain amount of esteem. And how he's made those modifications to his uniform. He is riding the very surface of what doing good is. He's the kind of Cyril Karn is the type of person that goes to a a nation with impoverished communities and feeds people, but then takes a selfie with them and puts it up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, feeding the hungry. Like he that's that's Cyril Karn in a certain way, is that he he wants to be able to say, look at these look at these good things I did. Whereas Cassian acknowledges, no, doing good is horrifying sometimes. And yeah. you don't do good to do good. You do good because it's good. And those are different things. And skiing is sort of.
1: We choose different. light because it's the light.
0: Because it's the light. <laughs> we turn toward it because it's there. I mean, and that's. Yeah, man. And that that is that's one of the best quotes in regards to that. I mean, I turn toward it because it's there. And, and yeah. that defines the character. Qui-Gon, you go to the higher public in light of the Jedi. Yariel poof having that moment in the deliberation of peace and justice like we say we're about both but can we be? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And that's sort of been the thing. You go to yeah. base window like we are keepers of the peace, not soldiers. And it's like, yeah, but when does a keeper of the peace need to put someone down? And George Lucas has talked about it and Feloni's talked about it because they talked about it together a Jedi will do these things of I will give you every choice to you know, every opportunity to take a different path. But at the end of the day, I will say it with the hilt on the table.
1: And then, you know, I, I get and not to keep going off on, on, on quotes here. no, oh, please. But this also takes us to Lost Stars. So is mm-hmm. it possible for a good person to serve the empire? And uh the conclusion was, no, it's not, because they will force you to compromise mm-hmm just one more time and eventually you end up in a place where you don't recognize who you were absolutely it's impossible to stay good and that's that absolutely. is what serial is um
0: but yeah i mean it's it's the whole idea of like if if that question is asked you know we're we're talking about we're talking about this idea of trapped being trapped can can a good person serve the empire a good person can enlist a good person can wake up one day in it. A good person can be somewhere inside. I mean, that's what we see with Idenversio, just as one example, or Callus, mm-hmm. where you realize one day, I have betrayed everything that I am, which, you know, we, we can move into Gorn with the, uh, you know, serving you I forget the exact quote, but I, I, after serving you for seven years, I deserve a lot worse. Is he Is Gorn a good person? debatable i don't know his service history but is has gorn decided to act on his better instinct and try to be a better person yes he has decided to try to be i always joke that frozen 2 is a star wars movie because there's a whole song (laughs) a whole song do the next right thing or, or i always forget the title do the next right thing or make the next right choice whatever it is um i pulled up the yariel quote by the way we must always strive for peace but also justice peace without justice is flawed hollow at its core. It is peace provided by tyranny. And it's like, that is an unpacking there of a piece of tyranny. But sometimes you have to draw the sword. It makes me think of Ahsoka in, in chapter 13 of the Mandalorian. She doesn't run in there swinging swords, taking people out. She walks up to the gates and says, I will give you one day to release those people, release your prisoners, and have a conversation. If you don't, though, I am not responsible for the fact that I now have to free them. Like, yeah, and, must be brought down.
1: And then, and this is this is what drives me crazy about Last Jedi discourse. When, <laughs> when I I hear people be like, "No, Luke should have came in and then crushed all of the the walkers," and you're like, "That's that's not Luke."
0: Yeah, not anymore.
1: That's that's out of character for Luke.
0: That's Luke at the beginning. That's Jabba's palace. Luke, yeah, telling Jabba he'll destroy him, swinging out on the, on the barge and and mowing down all of Jabba's guards. Like, but they, but he made a what's the most change. Jedi
1: thing that he mm-hmm. could do, uh, and it's just just one hundred percent. It's just really funny to me that that uh, I feels like a lot of those same people will recognize the folly of the Jedi of the Republic, mm-hmm. of their involvement in the war, of their involvement in violence, of this stuff.
0: And they still. Want but at the end action.
1: of the day, they're like, "But it looks cool, so I want to see Luke do
0: it." <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and that's like you know, I, I've I've written about this on Twitter and talked about it at length because it needs to be unpacked. The the Jedi were the bad guys. Actually, is the most surface and wrong. And just bafflingly base take. It, that's not what it's saying. They yeah. are the good guys. It's about fallibility, and susceptibility, and complacency, and those are ideas that even though this is a non-force story for now, um, who knows what will happen. I I am I challenge somebody in Star Wars to not at some point even even Solo was like, and eh, here's Maul. Like eh, here's a little bit of a. You know, like it's it's.
1: Impossible. I mean, i i I argue that the, and I think I think Gilray said it as well that the force is what Rogue One is about.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, in a lot of ways we we have we have that moment where they're absolutely pinned down. One soldier peeks out, gets taken down, and then, you know, of of course we have um Cherit who is able to walk, you know, protected for that for that moment at the the part that hinged the most so i do think we'll probably get it in here but um also uh, and this is kind of another tangent one other thing that i really like about andor is it's also i also feel like it's proving the point i've been trying to make with people for years now because there's always the conversation of is star wars sci-fi or is it fantasy and yeah. while it while it is both the question the, the actual answer is who does the camera follow you're not wrong. Because that's that's all that's all that matters, you know. Is is Star Trek sci-fi? All right. If the camera followed Q, would it look like sci-fi?
0: Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> I love that. And I've always been a I've always been Star Wars is sci fi fantasy that leans fantasy because it's opera. And Star Trek is harder sci fi, but then it does its Q things. It does its I mean Strange New Worlds. I don't know if you watched, so I don't want to spoil too much, but
1: I, have, I haven't I have seen
0: any of it. It is incredible. You will really love it. Um, oh, I'll have
1: to jump into it. Ten, there's just
0: so much stuff. stellar episodes, man. Ten <laughs> stellar episodes. But in that, there's like the, oh, hey, by the way, what if there was a cosmic god that we just sort of flew by? Like, things like that happen all the time in it. And you're right. You read any of Zahn's Thrawn books, the originals or these six recent yeah. ones, those, those are, are sci-fi, sci-fi books. books. Those are mm-hmm. sci-fi books. That is a Sherlock Holmesian Sci-fi exploration.
1: In the fact, that's the fantasy. point of his character. The only thing he couldn't account for
0: mm-hmm. Was is space connection.
1: fantasy. <laughs> is, is is space whales. Uh, I've said that. Oh, <laughs> you I,
0: lo- I love that you brought that up. I've, I've said that about Ezra versus Thrawn. Is that they took the epitome of legends. They took the icon of the EU. If it's not Revan or Bane, it's Thrawn. In terms of <laughs> wh- when people think the EU. He was the guy and they and he was built on the I can be smarter than Star Wars, which is not a shot. At it's on. It's the character is mm-hmm. there to be. You fought all of your red blades and magic people. Well, how about someone who thinks like that's <laughs> what he was? And how does he get incorporated in on Disney Channel? Disney XP, Sorry. <laughs> he gets incorporated on Disney Channel. He is beaten by the Aladdin analog turned proto Luke. And I love Ezra. That's a gross oversimplification, of course, but I'm just, you know, being quick about it because that kid is able to use love to connect with the outside world. That's Mm -hmm. it. He is able to take creatures that everyone disregarded as just these things that pass by. And because he opened up his heart, He's able to beat the most ruthless and calculating individual in galactic history who could I account think. for everything, who could have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ezra swinging a lightsaber probably couldn't beat Thrawn. Thrawn with fists could probably disarm him.
1: I mean, we saw him just beating up robots and crap. Like he's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> like he's, he is that guy. And it comes down to ideas and to loop it all the way back into Andor. And I love the tangents, because it's all connected. It's one story. I mean, that's why it's become like an Alden Diaz meme at this point, because I talk about the tapestry so much. Everything in Star Wars affects everything. Your favorite affects your least favorite, and your least favorite, I hate to break it to you, affects your favorite. Whatever that is, whatever that applies to, uh, in, in your experience, they are intimately connected. Something like Space Whales exists in the same exact tradition as the eye. It is the galaxy. Yeah. It's the galaxy providing this thing that happens once in a while. And it gives us the cover to inspire. It gives us the cover to accomplish what we need to on a real level. It gives people something to look to while they're being oppressed and while they're looking to it. And as we brought up, while it's touching the humanity, even of the worst people, it gives us our opening. What is our opening? That's Space Whales. That's the eye of Aldani. That's the Ewoks thinking three PO is a god. That's actual <laughs> gods, like on Mortis. Like that is all of it. We talked about Bendu. That plays into everything that Star Wars is about. And so it's all here. And when it focuses in, you talked about some of the gorgeous cinematography earlier. I love the shot before Skeen gets killed by Andor, where it's we're back almost like in the grass of that area. And we see like the hut and we see the two of them sitting on their benches or logs or whatever. And it's like, it's always bigness through smallness and smallness through bigness. That's one of the biggest moments that ever happened. And it comes right after the eye, which was literally massive, literally a cosmic Mm -hmm. event. And yet it's so thematically sound. So I love all that. And at some point you and I will have to, obviously we'll have to do an episode just on. Sort of force phenomena and and themes and and the nature and all that stuff and
1: yeah yeah abso- absolutely that's the stuff that's Again, just, you're
0: speaking my language that's the stuff I love the weirder people ask me oh if there's an episode ten who would you want Ray to face I'm like who or what like wh- I would want Ray to face something primordial Ray versus something like you know the the sun or like a character like that like that's the type of stuff I'm interested in.
1: Yeah, I mean, to to, answer, to give you my answer to that question, mm. I want them to pluck a version of Darth Treya throwing sequel trilogy.
0: I thought you were gonna say Nihilus, but I'm still with it. Still with it.
1: Uh no, I I hate Nihilus. Um, but <laughs> uh, you're gonna
0: you're gonna make a young Eli from In a Galaxy podcast very happy. He dunks on Nihilus all the time.
1: <laughs> uh, I. But 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 you take someone like, like Treya, who at the end of the day feels like it's it's the Force itself that is the problem and and people using it and you have her be the one that's wreaking havoc and 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 Ray in her new order because it's not trying to just I'm just trying to stop a, a Sith I'm I'm it's I'm protecting the the value of the Force which is life itself
0: protecting the natural order yeah, yeah. which is sort of like it's not the same thing, but no spoilers. But for people listening, but Higher Republic Phase Two is sort of the well, who has the right to do this? Who gave you yeah. the right? Just because you can feel it, that gives you the right to use it, and that's you know we're having all these faiths collide on Jeddah, um, and of course with the first. Oh, I can't wait Jetta.
1: for the battle over Jeddah.
0: Oh, I know. Uh, uh, reading oh, the first man. book is yeah, yeah. That's gonna be crazy. That's gonna be wild. Uh, very excited. There was the in the backup of Higher Republic number one, the Marvel one, the. The backup story has the last of the Jedi statues that stands. So it's like there used to be—I think there's said four. There used to be four of these that are standing. Now there's only one. I'm like, mm-hmm. sounds like a tease <laughs> to me. <laughs> we're gonna see that thing go down in less than a calendar year. Cannot wait. Or we're gonna hear it go down. Um, so talk. We talked about Skeen. Uh, I mentioned Gorn. Let's talk about Gorn. He has, I think, very intentionally. One of the most unceremonious deaths it's literally blink and you can miss it he dies to the right of the frame in a shot uh how do you feel about the way that he went out after that sort of triumphant statement that he makes
1: it, I, at first at first i didn't like it i was like i wish he had some more fanfare mm-hmm. uh, but under additional reflection this type of thing is one of the things that i enjoy about about like we get uh, in in a regular film like solar or something you know you'll have characters who aren't fully fleshed out right yeah. and they only give you little nuggets that are going to be used immediately in, in the story so you know oh this background this this red shirt here said this thing so you know that's going to be important later um and andor fleshes out everyone so you don't know when that's going to happen and you don't know if who it's going to happen to yeah uh, uh, rather than like you're watching the a, a redshirt guy is like uh i'm retiring tomorrow and you're like oh so he's gonna <laughs> die okay that's yeah. that's cool um but in the heat of the mission these deaths were were always inevitable and you don't have time to to mourn them you don't have time to to look back uh sometimes you know you don't they don't get a burial (laughs) you know
0: yeah yeah i mean terraman we find out was a stormtrooper another example of someone making the right choice we can go from gorn to Mm -hmm. him they're sort of tied together as the defectors of the group the defectors both go out it's i wouldn't say it's as cynical as pay for your sins you know it's not it's not that because Star Wars is not saying that. We've seen a lot of defectors go on to have lives, full lives, or, or friendships like Callus or uh Dell. Erica and Ida. Quell. Erica Quell is another great example, exactly. We've seen them. I mean, even Wedge, Wedge is a its <laughs> defector. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> there's a lot of people, but but it's interesting that they are the ones that go out. Terraman had this, this pressure that you could tell that he was feeling of the I I, I really didn't cast him to say I need to know that you understand because he has turned his back on it and he was not just yeah you know, the difference between him and Gorn he wasn't just a commander he was an instrument of death he was somebody out there doing this and that's an interesting perspective as well I think and um I think they were like you've said we had more with them so they're not just functional like Val and Rio and solo very functional roles they're there and then they're not they serve their purpose in the job there's obviously a lot to unpack there societally um with Val but it's it's like you know there's the the functionality of those parts these were people and it almost felt
1: like it might be I don't know penance um not uh not 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 a punishment for what yeah. they've done in the past, but it's a I can, I can let this go now.
0: Yeah, you're laying it out, and it's similarly to, to Bodhi. I mean, Bodhi is able to he goes out in a violent explosion, inside of the first major battle of the era. But he's almost like, okay, like I know that I know I I did what I needed to do. I can go out with some measure of peace in the same way that Jared mm-hmm. and baseball both go out with a measure of peace in the same way that K2 goes out having affirmed that yes, you can change your programming uh yeah. as a big thematic statement. Uh, and Gilroy, God. Gilroy loves it. And now you toys. have me
1: thinking of Chasna Chat like, uh, over in Alphabet squadron and how Yeah. her story is so, so heartbreaking. It's like I wish I could.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's devastating. Uh-huh. It's it's I love that stuff. And that's the morality play. I mean, this episode, the eye Susanna White and Dan Gilroy tapped into the morality play of star Wars. At the end of the day, it's just people making choices. And what do their choices mean? It is, I think very base and easy and frankly, kind of lazy fan criticism sometimes to say, well, they the character should have done this. Well, they didn't. That's not what we're watching. They did what they did. And what does that mean? Like, uh, and thank I'm not you for that i'm not interested in the version that you're making up in your head it could be cool like it can be cool like we at the beginning of the episode you were saying oh wouldn't it be cool if mm-hmm. bodhi hears part of this manifesto and that's what does x if that doesn't happen you're not going to sit around and say no. well they should have done that like that's not the version that they made it just isn't
1: uh, and, and and that's another beautiful part because people Make suboptimal decisions, you know, Mm -hmm. just because something in hindsight would have been a better choice. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's what they would have done. Doesn't mean it's what that person saw in (laughs) in the moment.
0: Shockingly, Um, Chaka, the characters in Star Wars don't know that they're characters in Star Wars. They don't know what we know. This happened with the Kenobi finale. Well, he had him dead to rights. Why wouldn't you just finish him? If the whole thing was, oh, I didn't finish him, and now here he is, and I have to face him again. Why not finish him the second time? Because he is reckoning with some sort of journey toward peace for himself.
1: This is not a fight between it. This is a growing moment. It's a growing Obi Wan internally.
0: Yeah, he has to let him. Of course, of course, he logically knows he needs to go. He says so. He says as much in the original trilogy. He knows he knows vader needs to go what that moment is is hey i thought i killed you i didn't and you know what didn't is better for me
1: i mean it also has the same energy as as uh why didn't hold hotel poe the plan and you're like he just got a whole bunch of people killed to by disobeying orders yeah, and no can't right be trusted yeah and and she was also right because he went behind her back and got everyone killed again.
0: More people. So- yeah. These <laughs> are these are moments of are you looking at it or are you watching it?
1: She doesn't she doesn't know he's a main character in this trilogy.
0: Exactly. He is one of look how many people are on that bridge that she's speaking to. She's responsible for a lot of people. There's a lot of people in her charge. And she's doing what she thinks is best because there's a burden upon heroes and like you said suboptimal decisions they are allowed to be fallible maybe there was He's a, a
1: pilot way. without a ship
0: yeah
1: he has like in her in her world he doesn't have a use and he's incredibly reckless so right. yeah
0: yeah oh you're you're right i mean it's the not everything is going to be as rosy because we're 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 in the post 2000s storytelling world where at some point I mean, you're a comics person like we used to have three issue storylines during the stanley era of we just did the thing and then by the 2000s we're having 20 issue storylines of like bendis daredevil where it's like well i did the thing but why and how and what how did it change mm-hmm. me how did it affect me we're in an unpacking era um and is way more character driven than than plot driven and that's not just a Star Wars thing, but in general. So it's like with all of these things, why did it like why wouldn't they make choices completely useless? I mean, they they made the choices that they made because they were people, and we want them to be people. And I think that what Andor has done is show in a great way that I mean, Andor's whole thing starts with suboptimal choices. He should not have been going around revealing his identity. He should have, yeah. if he wanted to find his sister, there was a better way. He could have connected more with Marva or Bix and maybe brought up the topic of maybe doing some reconnaissance, maybe brought up the topic of, of asking around, like anything, anything. But we're not in the business of like writing the, the fanfic. And that's not an insult to fanfic writers. It really isn't. It's just there is the there's that subgenre of fix it fic. Yeah. Of, I'm going to write a fix it because that pissed me off so much. And you know what? That's your right. But you don't then get to judge the thing against the fix it. That's, that's weird to me. Um, And I think that, yeah, so that's a tangent that was really important. I should probably clip that out. I won't. Um, (laughs) I know I won't. Uh, But if you listen to that and you resonated with anything that we said, or with anything we said resonated with you rather, let me know because we're definitely in a, we're in a moment where I think we can be fighting not aggressively, but just standing firm for a better quality of conversation. Cause there, there comes a point that's, where that's like...
1: why I started creating content in the first mm-hmm. place. I, I am someone who, um, you know, I, I had, I had a job doing manual labor and that's when I discovered Star Wars audiobooks. books. Like I'd, I'd read in the past, but like being able to, grind through <laughs> and, and then now now to, to date i'm like 148 legends books deep and all wow. of canon um, and i started i was ran out of stuff to read started listening to, to people's podcasts and i noticed so many people saying really dumb things um and because
0: well, like, it goes I, beyond interpretation like i think i i get accused a lot of like people that don't like me or don't like what I have to say, which is fine. That is fine. That's fine. If you're doing this, you have to accept that. Mm-hmm. Like I firmly, when people, <laughs> you you get it, I'm sure. Oh, uh, Choco, how do I start a podcast? What would you recommend? First, I recommend that you have something to say. Forget logos, forget names, forget all that. Back it up. What is your point of view? And the second thing is, are you comfortable being a public facing person? Because if you're not, if that's not something that you think you can handle. This, it's not a condescending thing. It's not me saying I'm tougher. It's, it's a thing that you can either vibe with or you can't. You mm-hmm. have to be able to read, I hate you and you suck. And to be able to say, I'm going to put that in the file of things I don't need. And that's part of it. So there are a lot of people that accuse me of telling people what to think or how to think. I have no business in that. I've never said that. That is not my intention. <laughs> However,
1: <laughs> I have... I have taken the liberty because people are like, oh, well, you just you, you just, you know, are going to love everything. Yeah. You know, and, and and I was like, I, I actually am not a fan of this movie. I'm just like stating a fact from it. I'm not going to wow. misrepresent it. Exactly. Oh, but you said if you don't like it, then you're the, And and so I will make a video um, uh, off of that comment and be like, you know what? A scroll if you can find, if you can tag me and yep. me saying that, I will Venmo you $20 and I will make a video saying that I was wrong and you were right um, I've done that and too. that you were the best find person me,
0: Find me where I've ever said you have to think the way I think. Find me where I've ever said uh, my interpretation is right It does not exist. It's never happened. I am mm-hmm. known for doing very in-depth written analyses and things like that and it's great I, i'm glad it vibes with some people some people it doesn't that's great too but what i won't stand for is the complete bad faith engagement of you're saying things that just blatantly did not happen in the work We're no longer talking about me but or are you yeah. in the work like some stuff yes it, it's about interpretations and i welcome them that's what all of our shows really are at the end of the day mm-hmm. but some stuff i'm sorry is not up for interpretation Saying that the theme of The Last Jedi is kill the past is wrong. That's not yeah. an interpretation, but blatantly wrong. Saying that, uh, you know, and or insert any statement about its politics is wrong. It could not be more blatant <laughs> about its politics. So there's some things that go into the realm of that's not subtext. It's text it's text my guy my my dude my person like that is and
1: then you get like, so i'm not allowed to have an opinion and you're like i don't think you know what opinion is
0: no yeah, yeah you don't okay. it's, it's that's the media literacy of it all And this show i love that this show challenges that i yeah. love that it throws a scene in there like skiing where it's like yeah you all sat with a lie and you believed it just like the character did and you sat with it for a week you were sympathetic to this character. You believed
1: and he betrayed us, and here yeah. it is:
0: he betrays the character. He betrays you, and uh, you know we we talked about Velen, since up top with the fear. We talked about Gorn. We talked about Taraman. We've pretty much covered everybody, except Nemec and his death, which is a great way to start to wind down. The Kyber balls on Tony Gilroy to. Set him up the way he is. Not just kill him. It's not just that he killed him. Because I think everyone universally agreed he was not long for this world. He had, yeah. he was he was too media literate about the story that he was in. He understood it too much. He was He's
1: too, too good for us. He's too good
0: for us. He understood the <laughs> themes. He did the, he did the homework. It wasn't just that he died. It's that they make it to the doctor successful. The mission is successful. He makes it out of the mission. They make it to the doctor. The doctor is operating on him. And then he dies. It's the fact that it did it in the most sometimes things don't work out, period, way that it possibly could have. So how did that register with you?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's possible to do nothing wrong and still fail. <laughs> um
0: the old Picard wisdom.
1: Yeah, I mean, first, I mean, first of all, we, we see them physically loading up the gold Right, mm-hmm. which is unusual for Star Wars, but um, by doing so, it actually gives us a real feel for the weight mm-hmm. for the heft of it. We saw pallets fall over and like you know these these things were, were tough and when it hit them, it hurt, it hurt me watching it because you you know and they're still climbing and so it's still pressing on them. Ah, and after that moment, he he lived his truth. He's he's dying. I mean, mm-hmm. he can't feel his legs. He's he's battling consciousness. Right? They they have to give him you know some some milk of the poppy uh to to, to prop him up. <laughs> yeah. And and he's he's still because he knows what he needs to do. He's he's the the truest believer, and he's the one that a doesn't make it and b he doesn't get to see the eye at all you know he's he's turning around backwards and, and he's working on but they they made it down they did it in a way where it just it just hurt extra bad
0: <laughs> that's yeah, just what they it did. Just, it just added more pain and added added overall stakes and it yeah, it, again, the people like if Cassian and Jin and the Rogue One crew are the people that open the door for the heroes, who opens the door for those people? And you know we talked about that a little bit, and it's it's someone like Nemic, who is ideologically the bedrock. of, yeah. You know, like Mothma can go her way, and Sagarera can go his way, but when you chip both of those sides down to the very 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 foundation, it's kids like Nemic, casting mm-hmm. him young on purpose. When you still believe Skeens, Skeens like this is the this kid is the reason why we are here, and you're there like yes. He's right. He was end up being.
1: Uh, and, and we get we get yeah. the moment earlier where he's pulls out his gun, but he's shaking and he, he can't pull a trigger. And it's sent to that pops out of the ceiling and, <laughs> and takes down the the um the guard. Yeah. But when Cassian is wrestling. The kid was a crack shot. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I don't know he was again, he was just too pure for this world.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it wasn't it was yeah it's just profound it's 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 profoundly beautiful to see somebody that is of the the purest belief we don't get that a lot outside of the leads like leia you know but for somebody mm-hmm. that really did have all of those ideas i love what you brought up about the shaky blaster and everything but what he really was capable of It was just about pushing yourself to that mental place, which is so much about what this particular Aldani arc was. Um, And then for Cinta's part, you know, we talked about Val, but for Cinta specifically, I did want to note, I'm glad you brought her back up, the idea of vengeance that in the Stormtrooper context, the Stormtroopers took out her whole family, we find out here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the Batman was this year is a beautiful three-hour treatise on vengeance versus inspiration and how being one does not necessarily do the other and it's a very yeah. hard balance to find and that sometimes you can be you know, the creature of the night and inflict revenge but what will that really get you and it's you know I'm glad they didn't kill Sinta off for real world reasons of like I want the queer couple to continue on and I, I'm, I'm and, and, you know, a woman of color of course to, to be able to have the room for growth to Still have a story yet to tell. Yeah. I mean um,
1: and or so a brown woman very well.
0: <laughs> it is. I I will say, I will say, andor top to bottom. Uh, and this is a nobody please misconstrue this is me saying, We did it, no more work to do, still plenty of work to do across the board. But this particular show's uh women characters have just been phenomenal from Marva to Bix to even the evil ones like Deedra, like mm-hmm. Centavelle. it's just a, a, a stacked roster. Of, of really impressive and well drawn characters, but for Cinta to be the one that was that had the most reason for vengeance that we know of, anyway, that was it was pointed, it was blood for blood, sangre por sangre. Makes me feel like I'm <laughs> watching Better Call Saul again. Uh, like, and to be the one that is left behind, who knows what will happen? To be the one that did hold the hostages and did hold. It's one thing for Vel to say because that's what you would do. But somebody that did lose the family, that yeah. if they if they were in that moment of if Sinta was too far gone, could have turned around and just blasted all of them. That would have been justice according to some people. Maybe Saul would have done it. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a very poignant exploration of her character through not a lot of dialogue. She's a quiet character. She doesn't say much. But when she does speak, it's always excellent and well placed,
1: which is also a thing of of not it's it's not bad writing. It's realism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There there are stern people, and she's just just one of them. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting that that people find that jarring, considering the proof positive for the fact that Star Wars could work in live action television was built on a faceless, mostly quiet man um you know <laughs> inter- interesting the way that people move those goalposts. posts but uh, is there anything else specific about the episode that we haven't talked about we've done a lot of episode talk we've done a lot of general star wars talk that thematically connects which i love uh it's impossible to talk about something in star wars i find fully and deeply without saying and also this and this and this and this mm-hmm. um so is there anything else that we're missing that comes to your mind
1: no i i feel like we've we've we got into the nitty gritty and kind of covered uh, all of it. I just, I can't wait until next week because while the previous two episodes were, you know, set up for this payoff, mm-hmm. I I don't, we're in the aftermath of this big first attack. I, I do believe that we're still going to do this three act structure. But I have a hard time believing there's not gonna be a lot more going on now that they've revealed their hand
0: in all these. Plus, Cassian back into the fold. Yeah. It's gonna require more networking now on Luthan's part to do that. But also who will this inspire? Who that Luthan has been looking at will now have the gall and the and the spark? Yeah. Maybe that this required you talked about the money. What is what are they capable of now? that they have 80 million credits um, to be able to do stuff. And is this, you know, I, I think, and not to speak for you, you can tell me if you disagree. I think that there's a group in fandom that is like, this is so unconnected and it it's good just in general. It's not just good for Star Wars. It doesn't have cameos and glip shadows and all this. And they think it's better for that. And then there is a group that is saying, it's unconnected, doesn't have cameos, doesn't have glib shadows, and therefore it's worse for that. And they're both wrong. Uh, I think both of those sides are absolutely wrong. It is it is doing... It's picking its spots. For as much of Aldani as you get and all that grit and brutality, there's a Luthan shop. For as much as mm-hmm. this, these are new people you're not familiar with, there's a Mon Mothma. An original trilogy character is a lead in this show.
1: Uh, in... in yeah you can't you can't see that mon mothma is in it and that Saul guerrera is in it and be like it's not connected that's dumb um but the the other thing i've i've been hearing is like oh well it's we should just have you know john and dave do everything and that is like that's bro do you do you know anyone do you know anyone else who is currently working on like four shows simultaneously? Like they are giving you the maximum that they can. Yeah. Uh, but but if we're gonna live in this world where we get multiple products, mm-hmm. they all can't be the same. And I, think, I think she and, and, Hulk, and, like, she Hulk of that, pointed out the the Marvel formula and laughed at it. Yes. And and the finale, um, and, and pointed out that if we are getting this stuff, you know, quarterly on Disney Plus, the mobile formula doesn't work for that. If we're getting it every other year, maybe if we're getting it four times a year, no. Mm-hmm. And we need this this variety. We need, uh, the, the reason The Mandalorian was so good is because this is, you know, their brainchild. This is their art. This is what is in their heart and that's what they put on the screen. That's what we need, right? We need people who have something to actually say. Mm-hmm to get into the writer's
0: room and what say it. I mean, that's star what this Wars. is. What's your stars and or said that in the previous episode, everyone has their own rebellion in the, in the real world. Everyone has their own star Wars. And to your point on the real world level of John and Dave do everything. First of all, not only does that not make sense logistically and literally, they will be the first ones to tell you that. That's why Book of Boba Fett needed a third leader with Rodriguez. That's why Mano Season Three is now has a a, a third leader with Fama Yua stepping up into that executive role. So they are already. That's why Skeleton Crew, while still being a John Dave thing, is also a John Watts thing. Like they are realizing two human beings can only do so much. They're swapping who's A and who's B on Ahsoka, but Dave already has. He has got Peter Ramsey from Into the Spider Verse is going to be directing some of that shows, which is. An amazing choice, by the way. Uh, Amazing. (laughs) Um, But then, like, when has Star Wars ever been that? Even George was like, I need Irvin. I need Richard Marquand. Even George was like, okay, I'm going to do this animated thing in the mid-2000s. I'm going to do this crazy thing that no one's ever attempted, a CG show that is blocked and shot, quote-unquote, shot, like live action. I can't do that on my own. I got to bring in people. It's Dave. It's Henry Gilroy unrelated. It's all these other people. And it takes that collaboration, and and I love, in terms of what you're saying about, I love that we're getting something like Andor, and then something like Tales, and then something like Bad Batch, and then like Visions Volume Two, bam, 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 because none of those can be the same. They just can't no. be. And I love that there's a menu. You look at what Leslie Headland talks about with the Acolyte, about like Leslie Headland, a gay woman in that's in the 2020s running a Star Wars show who is. In that next age bracket down under Dave, you know, Dave was a young guy in line for of the Sith. So he's sort of like Dave is younger than John and JJ Abrams by a little bit. Leslie's younger than Dave and Mm -hmm. she's of the Timothy Zahn, West End Games, Galaxies. She's of that era. And so now what does that person's Star Wars look like? And that's important. And I'm so glad that we could unpack that a little bit here. Um, Yeah, I mean, just uh,
1: uh, uh, the thing I always say about it is it's like it's it's like a grocery store versus Amazon. Right. And that's what that's what a streaming show is uh, versus having it be on television or in a movie theater right there's there's logistical real estate issues that have to be dealt with mm-hmm. uh, so something is made for tv it's made for film um they are going to typically make it in a way that would probably be more pleasing to the largest um portion yeah. of the standard distribution quadrants curve. And, yeah yeah and, and and they do that because they're like hey this You know, but like I said, a a grocery store, I have X amount of shelf space. So what I put on there needs to move, right? Well, switch over to a streaming service, which would be like Amazon. There's unlimited space. There's unlimited space. So it's no longer about, I need to maximize this. It's now there's no downside to providing a variety of content for everyone. And if you can acknowledge that Star Wars is for everyone, that means that there should be things that you don't like that I like because I'm not the same as you. And if mm-hmm. it's for everyone, yeah, you got to acknowledge that
0: you have to but, walk that walk. It can't just be something you say yeah. in terms of that's So layered because star Wars is for everyone. I think on the first level is diversity of story and audience. Like it's for everyone. Therefore you will see all colors, all shapes, all sizes, all creeds in it. But then underneath that, it's like, well, that doesn't mean we need to see all color, shape, sizes. size, Creed, et cetera, et cetera. In the same kind of story, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean then just do well. Oh, we'll just do more like X, but this time, the queer person's running it. This time, a black creator is running it. Like it doesn't. It also needs to be okay. Now, what is yours? What is what have you? Yes, what exactly. Do, what do you think? And, and I love what you brought up about the, the streaming. Like even within those shows, there are episodes of The Mandalorian, as a great example, that are very much for people that like love those glops love the cantina like that's something like oh who's the who's the co-star of this episode a frog like that's that's but then there are ones that are for the people of the whole that love the tapestry i
1: love on tattooing there's just like giant
0: ant sitting in
1: the chair like it's not even
0: like uh, that ant has a phd by the way uh, <laughs> she, don't forget that chaka that is a doctor it's True, it's true and, and you have episodes like oh but this one is ahsoka this one is connected to the skywalker saga this one is connected to Clone Wars and Visions is a great example. There's nine of them there that could not be more different. Everyone's going to have their favorite one. The correct answer is the Village bride. Um, But it, <laughs> there's like, you know,
1: that's my number three. That's acceptable. I'll say. That's um, acceptable.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, I, love, I love the diversity of, of story as much as I think we need the diversity, of course, on the real level. The idea we could just try different things. I would rather have I would rather have a Star Wars film. That's like I'm doing an episode coming up and it's not recorded yet. But an episode on why Thor Love and Thunder is more proof why I want Tyga doing Star Wars, not less. I have no issue with Tyga's Star Wars movie being the one that people go, "Uh, I don't know if I really like vibed with that. It needs that it needs that it marvel needed eternals marvel needed something like moon knight it needed something like wandavision like you need the things where people go i'm not quite sure because Mm -hmm. garnering i'm not quite sure is a lot better than i know exactly what i'm going to get yes it's healthier Um, and if
1: and if Tyka can can uh by any chance right me a heist movie uh where they're breaking into maz Kanata's castle to, to to steal some stuff and have hondo involved that's that's what i want
0: <laughs> you're in a similar i didn't go maz's castle although i love that i've always imagined taika as being like it like like get get reese get some our flag means death get get germaine in there uh yeah. you know, from the congress and have them like two scoundrels on a low level of Coruscant that need to get to a higher level of Coruscant before the sun rises. And just like what, what shenanigans.
1: I, I, I would watch like. the hell out of that. That sounds great. Just, I, I yeah. need to re watch Flat of the Conquerors because that's just
0: golden. 100%. Yeah. But, but Chaco, this has been so great, man. You rock. This has been so therapeutic. The Star Wars, like we, yeah, we talked about the episode, but I think people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, that was actually just like a Star Wars campfire session yeah <laughs> yeah uh
1: and and you we also have to get you on diet in, in, in the forest because i i need you to also hang out with element seven i think uh
0: oh, i would love to i would yeah. love to i know we, we we tweeted about it but tweeting about it is sort of like the way that my la friends joke about la people saying we'll get lunch it's like yeah okay yeah i would love to be on and then like we never talk about it but we absolutely need to do it um yeah. it would be great I, w- I would love to have them and i'd love to have you guys on and we'll do some more stuff um, we should do some higher public stuff actually that'd be a lot of fun Um, Don't but worry. we'll talk about it off air Chaco thanks so much man do you have any closing thoughts before we do plugs
1: uh, no just uh, thank you for inviting me on this has been a great conversation and it's, it's cool to just be able to uh, unpack the stuff you know
0: absolutely so Darth Chaco is pretty much what you are known as everywhere but the show names are different the socials might be different so give everybody the rundown of where they can find what you do how the shows are different and what sort of the, the vibe is.
1: Yeah. So I'm Darth Chaco on TikTok. I'm Darth Chaco on YouTube. My primary location for content right now is TikTok. I'm trying to shift it over to the YouTube space on a YouTube. You'll also find my podcast, um, uh, the high ground podcast uh, right now, where we are just, you know, covering and or episodes, but I bring on three guests. And I try to bring on different people every single time. And we just get a lot of perspectives and it's, it's uh, cool. It's a a fun time. And I definitely enjoyed, you know, having you on. Um, I also have uh, an additional podcast called Diet in the Force. And that happens Saturdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time, um, you know, with my diet, Element 7. And both of these podcasts can also be found wherever pods are cast. So you can definitely check them out there.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much, man. Make sure to follow the links down in the description to find those shows, those socials, all of that good stuff. Follow what Chaco's doing. You mentioned TikTok. I will start there. Yes, there is a TikTok. It's not specifically for the show. It's me. So far there's only two ticks that have been talked up there because I still haven't decided what I want it to be because I don't know if you've noticed I ramble and that's not really the rambly platform, but clips will probably be showing up there uh, short form analyses. I'm going to try to get going there. Stuff that I would do in a Twitter thread, bring it over there and talk about it. Use some of the actual you know, broadcasting that I spent money to study um, and, and do some of that as well. Uh, so that's at that Alden Diaz, as well as Twitter and Instagram, that Alden Diaz, T H A T A L D E N D I A Z. You can find me here, Octo Radio, doing the interview episodes, the topic based episodes, and the discussion episodes. Like I said, we've got a Thor 11 Thunder discussion coming up. Uh, about, you know, I'm calling it Love, Thunder, and Star Wars and how those two things might blend and what a type of Star Wars could look like. Look forward to that with me and Joseph Scrimshaw. That's going to be coming up. Uh, We're going to be having a couple more Lucasfilm people on the show. A rewatch Between Worlds, which is our Rebels rewatch show, which I'd love to have you on at some point. There's still plenty to rewatch. We're nearing the end of season one. Uh, going through Rebels, doing deep dive analyses of that whole show. That's still coming up here. That's going to be coming back. You can find me over on Casterly Talk with Ken Napsok, where we talk about Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, now the Rings of Power, and probably Willow soon, as we expand into being a catch-all for not all fantasy TV, because I'm not a psychopath, but a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of fantasy. I'm not... people Oh, you're going to cover Witcher and Outlander and all the... Whoa, 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 slow, your, slow down. There's only so many hours in the day, as much as I would like to. So you can follow Castroly Talk as well, down at the links. Uh, I'll let you know anything else that I'm doing on the social media. I wrote for Star Trek recently. I would like to write more for them. They have a great website, great editorial team. They were lovely. And uh, yeah, as for right now, for me, for Chaco, we will catch you next time. Punch it, Chewy!